Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Smart executives want to surround themselves with diligent people. That's what they do. And they look for diligent people. They look for that. Yeah. In Proverbs twenty two twenty nine, Proverbs twenty two twenty nine, seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. So you see, executives want to surround themselves with diligent people. And Joseph didn't see work smart, meaning not work. Okay. Joseph loved hard work. He enjoyed getting himself involved in the work. He's like the Lord Jesus, like who said that his meat was to do the will of him that sent him and to finish his work. All right, that was the second. Third is goal-oriented. Goal-oriented. When the Lord Jesus said that his meat was to do the will, and then he said, and to finish his work to finish the work of the Father, he was showing that he was goal-oriented. When his eye is on finish, not just the process of doing the work, hey, I love just working hard. Oh, I want, (laughs) reminds me of Professor John Potts, who's the head of research at Massachusetts General Hospital Harvard, who is the father of parathyroid hormone. And um, I worked with him. I was honored to work with him. But anyway, one time John and I were having dinner in... in, um, Boston. And he told me about, uh, no, I don't want to say anything bad about John because he's you know, <laughs> been careful here. But he told me that when he started his work at Harvard on parathyroid hormone, his mother said to him, well, Johnny, when are you going to finish that work? <laughs> and he says, mom, I don't ever want to finish this work. <laughs> okay, no, I'm not trying to say anything bad about Professor Potts. But I want to say that there is a danger to just loving work and not wanting to finish it. That was not the Lord Jesus. And some people are hard workers and they enjoy hard work, but they're not goal-oriented. They don't come to work with the goal of how soon can we get this done? They don't come to work with the question of when will this be completed? But the Lord Jesus did when he said, my meat is to finish the work. So to be goal-oriented is to work with a sense of urgency, And always have in mind the goal that the job has got to get done. See, the Lord Jesus, he had this sense of urgency about the work that he had to finish. And he said that in John 9, 4. John 9, 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. He worked on earth with the sense of urgency, the sense that the night was coming when he couldn't work anymore. He had to get everything done during the daytime, which was this life on earth. Last fourth quality 
most important, faithfulness. Faithfulness. Joseph was faithful in his work. Faithfulness is working hard when you're not being watched. Faithfulness is becoming married to the same goals as the boss. Faithfulness is to use the word, start using the words of we and our rather than you and your. I mean, it reminds me of an African chief one time, a very wise chief in Angola. This chief of this tribe was getting old and he needed to find a successor who was going to take over as the chief of the tribe. So what this very wise chief did, old chief, was that he chose three candidates and asked them to meet him early one summer morning. So they all came. And then he took three gourds and, you know, for holding liquid, gourds, and three sieves, you know, that they used for washing the manioc root and they make their mush to eat. Yeah, the sieves and the gourds. And he took them down to a river that had a bank in front of it. And he gave to each man a sieve. And then he set the three gourds at the top of the bank. And he told them that their job was to compete. And they were to run down the bank, plunge their sieve, not the gourd, the sieve, (laughs) into the river, and then run back up the bank and fill the gourd with whatever drops would fall off the sieve, you know. So, you know, the chief says, okay, ready? Go. And so the three men ran down the bank, and they plunged their sieves into the river, and they ran back up and had a few drops of water that fell into the gourd. And then the chief, you know, watched them for a while, and then he left, and he got out of their sight. But the chief hid himself in the trees and watched them throughout the men. And so as soon as the chief left, one man threw down his gourd and said, he thinks we're fools, he thinks we're stupid. I'm not going to do this ridiculous exercise. I quit. And so the two other men continued to run up and down the bank, filling their gourds, well, trying to fill their gourds with a few drops of water from the sieve. And the sun got hotter and hotter, and the men were now plunging themselves into the river to cool off. And now the bank is turned into a muddy mess, and they're all filled with mud as they keep running on and on. And by noon, the second man threw down his sieve and said, I can't take this anymore. I'm done. And he gave up. But the third man continued on to the end of the day, running up and down the bank with his drop or two of water that he put into the gourd. And then at the end of the day, the chief came out of the trees and said, congratulations, you are the new chief. I didn't expect you to fill the gourd. I expected you to be faithful. You continue to do the job when you thought no one could see you. That's what faithfulness is. See, it's doing the work when you think no one is seeing you. And the challenge for us is which one of those three men are each one of us? The first man who gave up as soon as he thought he wasn't being watched anymore. The second man who gave up halfway through. Or the third man who persevered even through the discouragement of seeing the other two men give up. See, that last man was the faithful man. Faithfulness is the key quality that's looked for as a basis for promotion. And the chief was hiding in the, was hiding in the trees. His eyes were on the men, and he was looking for faithfulness. And that's exactly what the Lord is looking for, as he says in Psalm 101.6. Psalm 101.6, mine eyes 
shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. See, when God looks at our lives, he has one question. Is he faithful? Is he like the one man, the last man that continued to do what the chief asked him to do when he thought that the chief wasn't looking? That's why the Lord Jesus gives a strong reward in Matthew 25, 21, when he said, as Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Really, those three other qualities stem from faithfulness. Now, because Joseph was faithful, Joseph did care about Potiphar's work. Joseph was diligent to do Potiphar's work. And Joseph was goal-oriented to finish Potiphar's work. And when you find those four qualities in an employee, that's the employee that you promote. That's the reason why Joseph found grace in the sight of Potiphar. So we read, verse 4, Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. Those three words really tell us a lot about Joseph. He served him. He served him. He served Potiphar like it says in Colossians 3.23. Colossians 3.23. Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily from the heart. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. That was Joseph. He was a hard worker. He saw his work for Potiphar as a work for the Lord. And the word that's used to describe that is heartily from the heart. That means that before Joseph started to work for Potiphar, Joseph had set his heart to do what Potiphar wanted to do as if he was working for the Lord. That heart set, that setting heart, is what King David told the princes also when he was commissioning them to work under Solomon. And he wanted to say to them, work hard under my son Solomon to build this temple. And then he said to them in 1 Chronicles 22, 19, 1 Chronicles 22, 19, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Arise therefore and build ye the sanctuary of the Lord God and bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built to the name of the Lord. So Potiphar sees all this in Joseph and he promotes him. In verse four, he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. So having recognized the faithfulness of Joseph, Potiphar makes him overseer of his house, which is what Abraham did to Eliezer. As we already saw in uh, Genesis 24-2, Genesis 24-2, Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over his, all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. Eliezer's faithfulness was seen in how he prayed to God to help him to be successful in his work when Abraham couldn't hear him or see him when he was in Syria in Genesis 24, 12. Genesis 24, 12. And when Abraham's servant Eliezer prays this way, he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. And then he runs into the resistance of Laban. Well, that was what Laban was specialized in, resistance. said, <laughs> well, he was good at resistance. And so Laban did not want to let Rebekah go with Eliezer. And Eliezer had to fight to be successful in the work that Abraham had sent him to do. And that's we see that in Genesis 24, 55. Genesis 24, 55. And her brother, that's Laban. And her mother said, 
Let the damsels abide with us a few days. Stay here. At least the ten. After that, she'll go. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing that the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. So Joseph was seen by Potiphar as a blessing. He was a blessing to him, and he promoted him. Just the opposite of Joseph's own brothers, who saw Joseph as a curse. And Joseph was first dishonored by his own brothers, who threw him in a pit and then sold him. And then Joseph is honored by this Egyptian, this Gentile. Does that remind you of anyone? You know, the Lord Jesus was sent, like Joseph. The Lord Jesus was sent to the Jewish people, and their response to him in John 1.11 was, he came unto his own, his own received him not. Their response to him is Isaiah 53.3. Isaiah 53.3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We esteemed him not. We didn't honor him. See, like Joseph, the Lord Jesus was dishonored by his own brethren, by his own people. But then what happened? Then what happened was Isaiah 60, verse 3. Isaiah 60, verse 3 happened. And the Gentiles shall come, the goyim shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Then what happened was Isaiah 11.10, Isaiah 11.10. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse, which will stand for an ensign of the people. What happened was, what happened was in Psalm 22.27, Psalm 22.27, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee. All the kindreds, all the goy, all the goyim, shall worship before thee. Now, what the Jewish people lost in Joseph, this Gentile Potiphar found. It reminds me of the time when I was speaking to Israelis who were selling Dead Sea Salts in the Parkway Plasma Mall, and they wanted to know why I was telling them about Jesus and why I didn't go tell the Gentiles about Jesus. After all, he's their God. That's what they were saying. So I said, okay, here's my answer to you. I said, just watch me. So I take my wallet, you know, out of my pocket, and they had the stand there like they were selling, and I said, now watch this, and I threw my wallet in there, and I walked away like this, see? I said, now, what would you do? He said, don't tell me you'd steal the wallet. So I said, okay, what would you do? Oh, you would chase after me, and you would chase after me and say, here, you lost this, you lost this. So I told them, I said, that's why I'm coming to you. That's why I'm coming to you and talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm chasing after you and saying, you lost this. You lost something very valuable. Joseph's brethren lost Joseph, and he was very valuable. And the Egyptian Gentiles found Joseph and honored him for his great value, which is the reason why most Jews that come to the Lord Jesus Christ are from Gentiles who go back to the Jews and said, I found what you lost. (laughs) I found what you lost. Now, okay, we read how much Potiphar really trusted Joseph in verse 4. All that he had, he put into his hand. All that he had, he put into his hand. Literally, this reads, everything that Potiphar had, he put into Joseph's hand. In other words, he entrusted everything to Joseph. If something came into Potiphar's hand, his first thought was, oh, I got to put that in Joseph's hand. Got to put that in Joseph's hand. He made that choice. Potiphar made that choice to put everything that he had in Joseph's hand. He made that choice because Potiphar was convinced if Joseph manages this, it'll go well. 
He can do a much better job than me as manager. So I've been blessed because I let him manage. Now, that's a picture for us where we are like Potiphar and Joseph is like the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Potiphar, it's our choice whether or not we put all we have into the hand of the Lord Jesus. No one's going to force us. No one forced Potiphar. But if we do, we're going to find like Potiphar does, he does a much better job of managing it. It'll be blessed. Now the results. We read the results of what happened after Potiphar put in his hand in verse 5 came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. There is a point made in this verse about the time that the blessing started, when it says from the time that he made him overseer in his house. The timing of the blessing was so dramatic, it started at the moment when Potiphar made Joseph his manager, his overseer. And that's just like the nobleman that came to the Lord Jesus because his son was going to die in John 4.49. John 4.49. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken of and went his way. And when he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, thy son liveth, and himself believed in his whole house. So in the same way, it was obvious to Potiphar that from the time that he made Joseph overseer in his house, God began to bless Potiphar's house. And a special note is made in verse five that said that the blessing was not just restricted to his house, but also to his field or his garden. When it says that, the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And we can imagine how Potiphar's agriculture, his fields just started to produce bumper crops. Where's all that coming from? All that, well, you know, well, since the time that Joseph was in charge. And his livestock starts to produce more than usual every time they give birth. And from the time that Joseph took over, we can imagine how Potiphar's fishing servants, his fishermen servants, started to bring in larger catches of fish, like Peter did when the Lord said, put the net on the other side, and he brings in 153 fish. There was so much abundance coming into Potiphar's house that he knew it all started from the time when he made Joseph the overseer of his house and his operations. Now, Potiphar is so encouraged by God's blessing that he saw after he made him overseer that in the next verse it indicates he couldn't put enough into his hands when it says in verse 6, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He gave unrestricted control to Joseph in everything he had. He trusted Joseph so much that we read in verse 6, he knew not aught and he didn't know anything that he had save the bread which he did eat. Now, usually when a person like Potiphar commits all that he has to another person like Joseph, you know, usually he'll have some regular uh, uh, meetings with Joseph, you know, so that Joseph can give Potiphar an account of his operations. But this verse really indicates that Potiphar didn't hold Joseph accountable. Potiphar didn't have to hold Joseph accountable because Joseph was so faithful, so working hard as unto the Lord that Potiphar discovered this new freedom. He was free from everything he had. That made Potiphar a very blessed man because he had Joseph. 
I know how Potiphar felt because I am a very blessed man because I have John Van Duzer as the chief operating's officers over Scanabodies, and John is just like Joseph. I mean, just as Potiphar didn't have to worry about what the operations were, how they were going with Joseph in charge, I don't have to worry about Scanabodies because John's in charge. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. You know what that means? Most men will brag. Most men will talk about themselves. But a faithful man who can find. Very rare. And Potiphar found that rare choice. I found that rare choice. John is a chosen faithful manager, so I don't worry. Now, when it says in verse 6, he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat, that shows that Potiphar was so free that the only thing he was concerned about was the bread that was in front of him to eat. Why? Potiphar was not even concerned about the bread in the pantry. (laughs) He was concerned just about the bread that was immediately on the table in front of him. Now, there's a reason for this. And the reason is that he was concerned only about the bread that was before him is because Potiphar was an Egyptian, and there was a certain restriction on Egyptians when it came to eating bread, and we're given that in Genesis 43:32, Genesis 43:32, where it speaks about Joseph again, but it says, "They set on for him by himself and for them by themselves, for the Egyptians with him by themselves, so they were separated, because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that's an abomination unto the Egyptians. So Potiphar was not able to eat bread with Joseph because he was a Hebrew. So the bread was something that Joseph could not sit with Potiphar and serve him or get for him and eat with him. And so Potiphar had to be concerned about the bread which he did eat. Poor Potiphar. It was really rough. All right. What we have seen is Joseph's character and especially Joseph's flexibility where Joseph said, okay. I'm a slave in Egypt. Yesterday, I was the favored son. Today, I'm the slave, but God is with me. So what's next? And Joseph made good with the situation that God put him in. And God was able to put Joseph on display for the Egyptians to see what happens when a man gives himself wholly to God. And Joseph, by the way, when he was in that position, just think of what he was learning he was given far more responsibility than he had in his father's house. Now he's managing the operations of one of the most powerful men in Egypt. House, fields, you know, that might come in handy later on when he has to manage a whole country and manage Pharaoh's house and the fields were the whole land of Egypt. So Joseph is getting a special training now by God for his future. Well, that's wonderful. Anyway, it's how Joseph responds to the situation that is our example for us to follow. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Joseph. Thank you, Lord, that you were with him. Thank you, Lord, that he was faithful to you. Thank you, Lord, for recording how you were with him and how he was faithful so that we could, Lord, learn from this and so copy Joseph. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.